Hello, this is Opa. We get to do a little bit more reading tonight. Uh, before we do, let me join, uh, start some prayer. Father, I thank you for um, a, a chance to, to gather around a book, Lord, that you gifted an author to be able to write. I thank you that we have the stories that uh, challenge us to think and to uh, enjoy the the way uh, words and sounds and smells are all woven together into a narrative. And I pray that uh, you continue to let us enjoy the time on this earth, that we would use our days well to glorify you in the ordinary, everyday work we have. We pray because of Jesus our Lord. Amen. All right, so we're reading James Harriet, chapter 28, All Creatures Great and Small. There were three of us in the cheerless yard, Isaac Cranford, Jeff Malik and myself. The only one who looked at ease was Malik, and it was fitting that it should be so, since he was, in a manner of speaking, the host. He owned the knacker yard, and he looked on benignly as we peered into the carcass of the cow he had just opened. In Derby, the name Malik had a ring of doom. It was the graveyard of livestock, of farmers' ambitions, of veterinary surgeons' hopes. If ever an animal was very ill, somebody was bound to say, I reckon she'll be off to Malik's afore long, or Jeff Malik will have her in to finish. And the premises fitted perfectly into the picture, a group of drab red brick buildings standing a few fields back from the road with a stumpy chimney which rolled, from which rolled endlessly a dolorous black smoke. It didn't pay to approach Malik's too closely unless you had a strong stomach. So the place was avoided by the townspeople. But if you ventured up the lane and peeped through the sliding metal doors, you could look in on a nightmare world. Dead animals lay everywhere. Most of them were dismembered and great chunks of meat hung on hooks. But here and there you could see a bloated sheep or a greenish swollen pig, which not even Jeff could bring himself to open. Skulls and dry bones were piled to the roof in places, and brown mounds of meat meal stood in the corners. The smell was bad at any time, but when Jeff was boiling up the carcasses, it was indescribable. The Malik family bungalow stood in the middle of the buildings, and strangers could be pardoned if they expected a collection of wizened gnomes to dwell there. But Jeff was a pink-faced, cherubic man in his forties, his wife plump, smiling and comely. Their family ranged from a positively beautiful girl of 19 down to a robust five-year-old boy. There were eight young Maliks, and they had spent their lifetimes playing among tuberculous lungs and a vast spectrum of bacteria from salmonella to anthrax. They were the healthiest children in the district. It was said in the pubs that Jeff was one of the richest men in the town, but the locals, as they supped their beer, had to admit that he earned his money. At any hour of the day or night, he would rattle out into the country in his ramshackle lorry, winch on a carcass, bring it back to the yard, and cut it up. A dog food dealer came twice a week from Broughton with a van and brought the fresh and bought the fresh meat. The rest of the stuff Jeff shoveled into his boiler to make the meat meal, which was in great demand for mixing in pig and poultry rations. The bones went for making fertilizer, the hides to the tanner, and the nameless odds and ends were collected by a wild-eyed individual known only as the Ketfeller. Sometimes, for a bit of variety... Jeff would make long slabs of strange-smelling soap, which found a brisk sale for scrubbing shop floors. Yes, people said, there was no doubt Jeff did all right, but he earned it. 
My contacts with Malik were fairly frequent. A knacker's yard had a useful function for a vet. It served a crude it served as a crude post-mortem room, a place where he could check on his diagnosis and fatal cases, and on the occasions where he had been completely baffled, the mysteries would be revealed under Jeff's knife. Often, of course, farmers would send in their animals which I had been treating and ask Jeff to tell them what had been wrong with it, and this was where a certain amount of friction arose. Because Jeff was in a was placed in a position of power and seldom resisted the temptation to wield it. Although he could neither read nor write, he was a man of great professional pride. He didn't like to be called a knacker man, but preferred fellmonger. He considered in his heart that, after 20-odd years of cutting up diseased animals, he knew more than any vet alive, and it made things rather awkward that the farming community unhesitatingly agreed with him. It never failed to spoil my day if a farmer called in at the surgery and told me that, once more, Jeff Malik had confounded my diagnosis. Eh, remember that cow you were treating for magnesium deficiency? She never did no good, and I sent her over to Malik's. Well, you know, what was really the matter with her? Worm in the tail. Jeff said it, you know but cut off the tail off? That cow would have gotten up and walked away. It was no good arguing, or saying that there was no such thing as a worm in the tail. Jeff knew that was all about it. If only Jeff had taken his priceless opportunities to acquire a common sense knowledge, it wouldn't have been so bad. But instead, he had built up a weird pathology of his own and backed it up by black magic remedies gleaned from his contacts with the more primitive members of the farming community. His four stock diseases were stagnation of the lungs, black rot, gastric ulcers, and golf stones. It was a quartet which made the vets tremble for miles around. Another cross which the vets had to bear was his unique gift of being able to take one look at a dead animal on a farm and pronounce immediately on the cause of death. The farmers, awestruck by his powers, were always asking me why I couldn't do it. But I was unable to dislike the man. He would have had to be more than human to resist the chance to be important, and there was no malice in his actions. Still, it made things uncomfortable at times, and I liked to be on the spot myself whenever possible especially when Isaac Cranford was involved. Cranford was a hard man, a man who had cast his life in a mold of iron austerity, a sharp bargainer, a win-at-all-cost character, and in a region where thrift was general, he was noted for meanness. He farmed some of the best land in the Lower Dale. His shorthorns won prizes regularly at the shows, but he was nobody's friend. Mr. Bateson, his neighbor to the north, summed it up. That feller ud skin a flea for its hide. Mr. Dixon, Dickon, his neighbor to the south, put it differently. If he gets odd on a pound note, by God, it's a prisoner. This morning's meeting had had its origin the previous day. A phone call mid-afternoon from Mr. Cranford. I've had a cow struck by lightning. She lay dead in the field. I was surprised. Lightning? Are you sure? We haven't had a storm today. Maybe we haven't, but we have here. Mm, all right, I'll come and have a look at her. Driving to the farm, I couldn't work out much enthusiasm for the impending interview. This lightning business could be a bit of a headache. All farmers were insured against lightning stroke. It was usually part of their fire policy. 
and after a severe thunderstorm, it was common enough for the vet's phones to start ringing with requests to examine dead beasts. The insurance companies were reasonable about it. If they received a certificate from the vet that he believed lightning to be the cause of death, they would usually pay up without fuss. In cases of doubt, they would ask for a post-mortem or a second opinion from another practitioner. The difficulty was that there was, are no diagnostic post-mortem features to go on. Occasionally a bruising of the tissues under the skin, but very little else. The happiest situation was when the beast was found with the telltale scorch marks running from an ear down the leg to ground, earth into the ground. Often the animal would be found under a tree, which itself had obviously been blasted and torn by lightning. Diagnosis was easy then. 99% of the farmers were looking only for a square deal, and if their vet found some other clear cause of death, they would accept his verdict philosophically. But the odd one could be very difficult. I had heard Siegfried tell one of one old chap who had called him out to verify a lightning death. The long scorch marks on the carcass were absolutely classical, and Siegfried, viewing them, had been almost l lyrical. Beautiful, Charlie. Beautiful. I've never seen more typical marks. But there's just one thing. He put an arm round uh, the old man's shoulder. What a great pity you let the candle grease fall on the skin. The old man looked closer and thumped a fist onto his palm. Dang it. You're right, maester. I've mucked at the job. And that took powers over it all. Been on for dang near an hour. He walked away muttering. He showed no embarrassment, only disgusted his own technological shortcomings. But this, I thought, as the stone walls uh, flipped past the car windows would be very different. Cranford was in the habit of getting his own way, right or wrong, and if he didn't get it today, there would be trouble. I drove through the farm gate and along a neat tarmac road across the single field. Mr. Cranford was standing motionless in the middle of the yard, and I was struck, not for the first time, by the man's resemblance to a big, hungry bird. The hunched, narrow shoulders, the forward, thrust, sharp-beaked face... The dark overcoat hanging loosely on the bony frame, and I wouldn't have been surprised if he had spread his wings and flapped his way to the buyer roof. Instead, he nodded impatiently at me and began to hasten with short, tripping steps to a field at the back of the house. It was a large field, and the dead cow lay almost in the center. There were no trees, no hedges, not even a small bush. My hopeful picture of the body under a stricken tree melted immediately, leaving an anxious void. We stopped beside the cow. Mr. Granford, Cranford was the first to speak. Bound to be lightning. Can't be aught else. Nasty storm. Then this good beast dropping down dead. I looked at the grass around the big shorthorn. It had been churned and torn out, leaving patches of bare earth. But it hasn't exactly dropped down, has it? It died in convulsions. You can see where its feet have kicked out the grass. All right, then. It added convulsion, but it was lightning that caused it. Mr. Cranford had fierce little eyes, and they darted flitting glances at my shirt collar, Macintosh belt, Wellingtons. He never could quite bring himself to look anybody in the eye. I doubted Mr. Cranford. One of the signs of lightning stroke is that the beast has fallen without a struggle. Some of them even have grass in their mouths. Oh, I know all about that, Cranford snapped, his thin face flushing. I've been amongst livestock for half a century, and this isn't the first beef, beast I've seen that's been struck. They're not all the same, you know. Oh, I realize that. But, you see, this death could have been caused by so many things. What sort of things? Well, anthrax for a start, magnesium deficiency, heart trouble. There's quite a list. 
I really think we ought to do a post-mortem to make sure. Now, see here. Are you saying I'm trying to do something I shouldn't? No, not at all. I'm only saying that we should make sure before I write a certificate. We can go and see her opened at Malik's, and believe me, if there's no other obvious cause of death, you'll get the benefit of the doubt. The insurance people are pretty good about it. Mr. Cranford's predatory features sank lower into his coat collar. He dug his hands viciously into his pockets. I've never had veterinaries at these jobs before. Proper, experienced veterinaries, too. The little eyes flashed in the direction of my left ear. They never messed about like this. What's the use of going to all the trouble? Why do you have to be so particular? Why, indeed, I thought. Why make an enemy of this man? He wielded a lot of power in the district, district, prominent in the local farmers' union, a member of every agricultural committee for miles around. He was a wealthy, successful man, and if people didn't like him, they respected his knowledge and listened to him. He could do a young vet a lot of harm. Why not write the certificate and go home? This is to certify that I have examined the above-mentioned animal and, in my opinion, lightning stroke was the cause of death. It would be easy, and Cranford would be mollified. It would be the end of the whole thing. Why antagonize this dangerous character for nothing? Maybe it really was lightning anyway. I turned my face. I turned to face Mr. Cranford, trying in vain to look into the eyes that always veered away at the last moment. I'm sorry, but I feel we ought to have a look inside this cow. I'll ring Malik and ask him to pick her up, and we can see her in the morning. I'll meet you there at ten o'clock. Will that be all right? Reckon I'll have to be, Cranford spat out. It's a piece of nonsense. I suppose I've got to humor you, but just let me remind you, this was a good cow, worth all of 80 pounds. I can't afford to lose that amount of money. I want my rights. I'm sure you'll get them, Mr. Cranford, and before I have her moved, I'll, I'll better take a blood film to eliminate anthrax. The farmer had been under a mounting load of pressure. As a pillar of Methodist chapel... Of the Methodist chapel, his range of language was restricted, so he vented his pent-up feelings by kicking out savagely at the carcass. His toe made contact with the unyielding backbone, and he hopped around on one leg for a few seconds. Then he limped off towards the house. I was alone as I nicked the dead ear with my knife and drew a film of blood across a couple of glass slides. It hadn't been a happy session, and the one tomorrow didn't hold out much promise. I enclosed the blood films carefully in a cardboard box and set off for Skeldale House to examine them under the microscope. So it wasn't a particularly cheerful group, which assembled at the Knacker Yard the following morning. Even Jeff, though he was preserved in his usual Buddha-like expression, was in fact deeply offended. The account he had given me when I first arrived at the yard was fragmentary, but I could piece the scene together. Jeff, leaping from his lorry at Cranford's, sweeping the carcass with a piercing glance and making his brilliant spot diagnosis. Stagnation to lungs. I can always tell by looking in their eyes and the way their hair lies back along, lies, hair lies along to back. Waiting confidently for the wondering gasps, the congratulatory speeches which always followed his tour de force. Then, Mr. Cranford, almost dancing with rage, Shut your big stupid mouth, Malik! That knows not about it. This cow is struck by lightning and you'd better recommend that. And now, bending my head over the carcass, I couldn't find a clue anyway. No sign of bruising when the skin was removed, the internal organs clean and normal. I straightened up and pushed my fingers through my hair. The boiler bubbled softly, puffing out odorous wisps into the already highly charged atmosphere. Two dogs licked busily at a pile of meat meal. 
Then a chill of horror struck through me. The dogs had competition. A little boy with golden curls was pushing a forefinger into the heap, inserting it into his mouth and sucking with rapt enjoyment. Look at that, I quavered. The knacker's face lit up with paternal pride. Ah, he said happily. It isn't only the four-legged ones what like my meal. Wonderful stuff, full of nourishment. His good humor completely restored, he struck a match and began to puff appreciatively at a short pipe which was thickly encrusted with evidence of his grisly trade. I dragged my attention back to the job. Cut into the heart, will you, Jeff? I said. Jeff deftly sliced the big organ from top to bottom, and I knew immediately that my search was over. The articles and ventricles were almost completely occluded like a, by a cauliflower-like mass growing from the vowels. Varicose endocarditis, common in pigs but seldom seen in cattle. There's what killed your cow, Mr. Cranford, I said. Cranford aimed his nose at the heart. Fiddlesticks! You're not telling me them little things kill a great beast like that. They're not so little. Big enough to stop the flow of blood. I'm sorry, but there's no doubt about it. Your cow died of heart failure. And how about the lightning? No sign of it, I'm afraid. You can see for yourself. And what about my 80 pounds? I'm truly sorry about that, but it doesn't alter the facts. Facts? What facts? I've come along this morning and you've shown me not to make me change my opinion. Well, there's nothing more I can say. It's a clear-cut case. Mr. Cranford stiffened in his perching stance. He held his hands against the front of his coat, and the fingers and thumb, thumbs rubbed together unceasingly as though fondling the beloved banknotes which were slipping away from him. His face, sunken deep in his collar, appeared still sharper in outline. Then he turned to me, and making a ghastly attempt to smile, and his eyes, trained on my lapels, tried valiantly to inch their way upwards. There was a fleeting instance when he met my gaze before flickering away in alarm. He drew me to one side and addressed himself to my larynx. There was a wheedling note in the hoarse whisper. Now, look here, Mr. Harriet. We're both men of the world. You know as well as I do, the insurance company can afford this loss a lot better than me. Now, so why can't you just say it's lightning? Even though I think it isn't? Well, what's the hangman? What the hangman doesn't matter. You can say it is, can't you? Nobody's going to know. I scratched my head. But what would bother me, Mr. Cranford, is that I would know. You would know! The farmer was mystified. That's right. And it's no good. I can't give you a certificate for this cow, and that's the end of it. Dismay, disbelief, frustration chased across Mr. Mr. Cranford's features. Well, I'll tell you this. I'm not leaving the matter here. I'm going to see your boss about you. He swung around and pointed at the cow. There's no sign of heart disease there. Trying to tell me it's all due to little things in the heart. You don't know your job. You don't even know what them things are. Jeff Malik removed his unspeakable pipe from his mouth. But I know. It's what I said. Stagnation of the lungs is caused by milk from milk vein getting back into the body. Finally it gets to the heart and then it's over with. Them milk clots you're looking at. Cranford rounded on him. Ah, shut up, you great agumph. You're as bad as this fellow here. It was lightning killed my cow. Lightning. He was almost screaming. Then he controlled himself and spoke quietly to me. You'll hear more of this, Mr. Knowledge. And I'll just tell you one thing. You'll never walk on to my farm again. 
He turned and hurried away with his quick-stepping gait. I said good morning to Jeff and climbed wearily into my car. Well, everything had worked out just great. If only getting... If only vetting just consisted of treating sick animals, but it didn't. There were so many other things. I started the engine and drove away.